even though like, yeah, I would have had disagreements. I can be in a church with disagreements as long as they're not major. And I can still sign on to like the, their core doctrines. And it just, it wasn't there. I couldn't in good conscience do it anymore. And, uh, what actually drew the line for me was the last, I think it was the last Sunday we were there. He actually, behind the pulpit, said Jesus never died. And I was like, what? Well, welcome to City Square Podcast, where we talk with everyday people about faith and work. My name is Micah. My guest this episode is Plez Evans. He's a husband and father. He's a former youth pastor now works in the cement industry. He and his wife have two children of their own, are also involved in fostering other kids. They have two dogs, two cats, a bunch of chickens. Sounds like you have a full house, a lot on your plate. So uh, thanks for making time to talk to me. Thank you for having me. Um, So I've done this with a couple people so far. We're going to start out with what I call Would You Rather High Church Cringe Edition. All right. So it's just, uh, you know, loosen you up. Um, let's start off with uh, something that won't be controversial at all. So would you rather, would you rather take communion from Pope Francis or Nadia Bowles Weber? I honestly don't even know who the second person is. So I'm going to have to say Francis. Okay. It's probably a good choice. <laughs> she's a, uh, I don't know if she's a pastor anymore. She called herself a pastrix. She's like the, e, she's an ELCA. Okay. Jezebel type. Like, like real blatant with everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, likes, likes <laughs> being, likes being a shock jock. So, Yeah. Um, so you don't know her and that's fine. That's actually, that's actually fine. Would you rather sing oceans or good, good father? I'm going to have to go with good, good father. I'm more familiar with it. I don't really know oceans too well. I've heard it just not familiar with the lyrics that well. Um, now I know you're you're an LCM you're in the LCMS, right? So would you rather yeah. listen to a sermon with no law or no gospel? Ooh. I would rather, I guess, no law. While it's important, the just the comfort of the gospel seems even more important. All right, I don't think you're cringing enough yet, so let's keep going. Would you rather have high liturgy with no communion or a contemporary service with communion? Contemporary with communion, with correct communion. Yes, the only communion. (laughs) Uh, Okay, would you rather hear someone pray to Daddy God or sing about a sloppy wet kiss. Ooh. Uh 
I'm guessing sloppy wet kiss just because uh, the being in prayer and saying daddy God is just I don't know if that's too cringe for me. <laughs> I haven't actually seen anyone in real life say daddy God, but I've seen it on recordings and yeah. Might have yeah, I've seen it there. Um, orthodox sermon from a, a woman or a heretical sermon from a man. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's a hard one. Would it be orthodox even coming from a woman? Well, that's the question of the day, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. That's a depends on how heretical. <laughs> uh, Nicene Creed denying heretical. Ooh, um, go straight for the the big guns. Man, <laughs> I guess if I like absolutely had to pick one, I guess the Orthodox female. I as much as I wouldn't like either one, I'd have I would have to pick that one because at least I would be getting truth. All right, and then this is final one. Would you rather have Stephen Furtick deliver your funeral message or Kenneth Copeland perform your wedding? Uh, I'm already married, so I'm going to have to say Furtick at my funeral. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's been Would You Rather High Church Cringe Edition. I've tested that out on um a priest in the anglican tradition and a couple of different uh lcms boys so it's uh, it's gone it's gone well so far <laughs> yeah <laughs> so where did you uh grow up walk me through your childhood and all right well i grew up in um southeast texas in the orange area uh grew up and have lived here my entire life. Barely been outside the area. Um, and I guess I've lived in three different counties my entire life. I was born in uh, Jefferson County, but then moved to Orange County and lived in Orange County up until I was 20. seven i think and then even though I'm, I'm in newton county now i'm only i'm on the border of the county like you could throw a rock and i'd be back in orange county but yeah I've, i don't travel much i'd like to but i don't and so i've just i've been in this area my entire life i like it but there ain't much to do here and um I was public schooled and uh, all all of it was public school except for kin kindergarten. I was at a church for kindergarten and uh but um let me look at the prompts. And then I did uh I didn't grow up a pastor's kid but I grew up a uh, my grandpa was a pastor. Uh, my mom's dad, 
And so I've been in church my entire life. I was born on a Sunday. I was in church the very next Sunday. And I've been in church ever since. Uh, It was an IFB church, but it was fringe IFB, but in a good way. It was reformed. And so whenever I talk to my friends about being in the IFB, I'd my view of the IFB was what I grew up in. They always looked at me like, oh, man, you're one of those weirdos. I was like, I don't see anything weird about, you know, what the church I go to or anything. And, but it wasn't until I was an adult that I learned what the IFB really is. But, uh, yeah, back to my childhood. Uh, I'm the middle of three kids. I'm the fourth Plez. And my son's also a Plez. So we kept that going. And it gets confusing when we're all together because there's four of us alive. <laughs> and my dad, my dad's the only one who goes by Plez. Everybody else has a nickname. And then my son goes by his middle name. So like my papa's Sonny, gotcha. I'm Buddy. Gotcha. My dad's Plez, and then call my my son William, and uh, so, uh, but yeah, so I've been in church my my entire life. Only time I wasn't was when I was an adult work, when I was working full time and going to school full time. Uh, just the way I was working, I couldn't make it, and uh, but. Uh, I guess what I wanted to be when I grew up was I was really fascinated with space. I didn't want to be an astronaut. I wanted to be an astronomer. I've always liked telescopes and don't have one now, but I had one as a kid and I always liked looking up in the stars and, and everything. It always fascinated me. Okay. So that's a very interesting name. Uh, that you've got, I've never seen it before. Do you know the origin of the uh, of the name? I don't know the origin. The only story we have for my name is that the the first one, his name was originally Arthur Plez Evans, and his initial spelled out ape. And everybody started calling him Ape, and he hated it. So he legally had his name changed to Plez Arthur Evans before my papa was born. And Plez just stuck as the first name for the firstborn son. And I have no clue where it came from. <laughs> I've never met another Plez, but I've met a couple people who have, it's been rare, maybe just one or two. And, but I've never personally met anybody outside my family named Plez. Gotcha. Yeah. I wasn't, I saw your name on Facebook and I wasn't sure if it was like an online, you know, like anonymous kind of name, which I've done that before on like a different uh, Facebook profile. Like I just adapted my name to be something a little less, uh, I personally identifying. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, that's fascinating. Um, so you're the like the fourth or the fifth with that name, then, huh? Yeah, I'm the fourth, and then my son's the fifth. Gotcha. I think that's really interesting. I love that. I wanted to name um, my son after after myself, but my wife doesn't like my name for anybody else apparently. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, we also have. Uh, in her extended family, there's like three other Micahs. Oh, okay. And I think like two of them are girls and two of them are boys. And they were all born after she married me. So I'm like, I, I, I don't know if they picked it because they knew me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if I should feel honored. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, with. I know. Uh, my wife was pregnant with my son. The ultrasound technician actually told us that we were going to have a girl and so we had the a girl's name picked out and then when he was born you know i already knew i wanted to continue the the plez tradition on and she actually was trying to get me to at least put it as the middle name and i was like no i'm putting my foot down his first name is going to be plez no ifs <laughs> ands or buts about it i like my name and we're sticking with it. I've got a buddy who his parents misspelled his name, I think, or maybe yeah. it was grandparents. It goes back a little ways, but they misspelled Isaac. Oh, okay. Um, so, but now that's a family tradition to have just a little bit like it's, I think it's two S's instead of two A's or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, but I think it's, it's interesting, you know, it's unique for sure. Yeah, I like my, uh... continuing my mom's dad, the the pastor that I grew up under, they misspelled his name, and his name's Carol. And the the male way to spell it, if I'm not mistaken, is two L's at the end. Hmm. And they only did one L at the end of it. And so he had a, a misspelled name as well. Gotcha. I... Um, I was going to say something about good old Southern boys with like interesting names, but I don't want to be offensive to anybody. <laughs> if if we're watching this, we're just, if you're watching this and you're a good old Southern boy with a misspelled name, we're just thankful you're watching. So don't take yeah. it personally. Um, So were you, were you ever like teased or made fun of for having uh, such a unique name? Oh yeah. I've been called stuff. I don't want to repeat on here. Yeah. Uh, I've also been called pretty much anything under the sun. I've I've had people think I was French and pronounce my name Plie. Uh with the spelling, the most common is please. And my wife's Paul Paul called me Trey for the longest time. And that was probably <laughs> the most off I've ever been called, but, uh, but yeah, like I've definitely been made fun of and the ones that was made fun of, I'm not going to repeat just cause it was, it was bad. <laughs> yeah. I could see, I could see the please. I'm sure there, I'm sure kids love, you know, making clever, clever jokes about please or something yeah. like that. <laughs> I've my, even had people uh, go ahead. I was going to say my, um, grandmother my maternal grandmother was very worried about her kids having nicknames 
So she gave him nicknames she thought that, you know, no one could ever make a a disparaging nickname about. And, you know, kids are kids. They came up with something in about five seconds. (laughs) And, uh, oh, what was I going to say? I don't remember. It wasn't important, though. It had to do with my name, I think. But, oh, I remember. I've even had, I was, uh, I went to go get my hair cut and I did the sign in thing. And they didn't even attempt to say my name. They just completely skipped over me. And a friend of mine who actually happened to walk in about 20 minutes after me, they called his name. And I was like, dude, been here for like 20 minutes longer than you. And they've never said my name. And with my name, you you kind of learn to listen out for stuff that may or may not be close, but like close enough. And I never heard any of that. And like, so like they just completely skipped over me and I was like, man, didn't even have the, the courtesy to say the wrong name to make sure I was still here. They didn't even try. They just ignored yeah. you. <laughs> uh, so no lasting bitterness from that, I guess. No, I mean, I, I understand it's different, so I don't hold it against nobody. Yeah. So you mentioned that you were uh, public schooled. What, mm-hmm. um, where'd you fall in the, uh, the social hierarchy of, you know, rural, was it, is it pretty rural where you are? Small? Yeah. I only, I only graduated with like 95 people. And there was probably like in the entire district, uh, there was probably there's about 400 kids per campus, hmm. and uh, so roughly 100 kids per grade. And uh, where my son's at right now, he actually only has like 40 kids in his class, and uh, it's public school. But but yeah, so uh, as far as where I feel, since it was so small, we all pretty much knew each other and talked to each other. But mm-hmm. I was definitely the um, the nerd. wasn't really into sports, and I liked playing RPGs growing up. Oh yeah. So yeah, I was a I was a big old nerd. So uh, even as a reformed or independent fundamental Baptist, but of a slight reformed variety, you were yeah. were you allowed to play like? Um, like Dungeons and Dragons or was it uh video games? I've never played Dungeons and Dragons. I've wanted to get okay. into it, but I know my personality and I would get way too obsessed with it and it would just consume every second of my life. So I've I've just stayed away from it. Uh but yeah, I, I was allowed to to play like RuneScape uh world of warcraft the elder scroll series and stuff like that nice that's awesome yeah so go ahead oh were you a big uh big reader at all or what did you mainly i actually didn't start reading until uh, after i graduated high school I, i hated it until probably my sophomore year of college 
and that was I started reading because I had like a four hour gap in between my classes, and I was just looking for something to do. Hmm. What did you study in uh, in college? Uh, instrumentation, which is okay. like a step down from uh, electrical engineer. Gotcha. Okay. So was that something you were looking to go into as a career then? Uh, yeah, because where I'm from, you're either an operator uh, in a chemical plant, uh, hmm. an instrument guy in a chemical plant, you're a nurse or you're an accountant or you're a school teacher. And so I just, I did the instrumentation because it would, if I couldn't find a job as an instrument tech, I could still get jobs as an operator. Whereas if I would have went to school for an operator, I'd only be able to apply for operator positions. And so it just, for that, it would just, made the what i was able to apply for broader what mm. i do like electrical stuff and uh, i learned a lot while i was in it but it it never was something that was just like oh yeah this is what i want to do for the rest of my life type of excitement I, what i really it, wanted to go for was a uh, like music production and uh, i just never did it so you went from astronomer, dreaming about being an astronomer as a kid to, oh, I don't know, settling. You went, you made a, seem like a smart decision uh, with your college training. Yeah. Um, so where did you end up then working out of college? Uh, I was actually a machinist for about eight years. Somewhere in there, about seven or eight years. Hmm. And... I uh, worked on CNC. I programmed them after I learned how to program them after a couple of years and started programming later on. And uh, and then I, from there, that's when I, my brother-in-law worked at the the cement manufacturer that I'm at now, and mm. he helped, he helped me get on out there and uh in the hours. I really like and because I'm off every Sunday off most Saturdays and so I never have to miss church. That's good. Whereas if I was in a chemical plant, I would probably have like one Sunday off every two months or so. Mm-hmm. And I, di- I didn't want to, I didn't want to skip when I was going to school and working full-time it was i was actually working 712s and then going to school full-time at night that was about six months of that where i wasn't in church and i absolutely hated it i mean that's just a brutal schedule regardless yeah it it was very tough i had a pretty like cushy college experience compared to some I worked part-time for a good chunk of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but my first couple of years I didn't have to work. So I took extra credits and, you know, try to get ahead. 
Yeah. Ended up ended up going full four years, but my last semester was like 12, 12 credit hours. Yeah. Um, my uh that wound up being pretty much my fault. Uh I wound up taking a year off when my son was born. And whenever I signed up for my classes, I wasn't working seven twelves. We were just working eight hours. Mm-hmm. And then they they're like, hey, we've got a bunch of orders that need to be filled. So seven twelves until further notice. And I was like, ah, oh, great. And it wound up being I'd get to work at four in the morning, get off at four in the evening. Yeah. I'd go to school. I'd have about an hour. I'd do my homework, go to class from about, I think it started at like 5.30-ish. And then from 5.30 to 7.30, I was in one class. And then I'd have about another 30-minute break, do some more homework for the following class, and then I wouldn't get out of that class until about 10 o'clock. I'd go home eat, shower, go to, and I lived about 40 minutes from the school too. So I wouldn't get home till about 1040, go home, shower, eat, go to sleep, wake up and do it all over again. And, uh, my son was about one years old at this time and it, so I didn't really see him for about six months during that time. Brutal. Or at least during the week. I'd see him on the weekend because I didn't have school Saturday and Sunday. So that was seven days on. What was the the off then? Seven twelve. Then you went to because I've um like I know some people around me work work four tens, right? Yeah, um, we didn't rotate, so it was just seven twelve straight for six months. I, I had no off time from work. My only, my only off time was from school on the weekend. Wow. That yeah, yeah, it, was, the, it, was it seems like highly unsustainable. <laughs> I, it, it was by the grace of God that I made it through. It was it was tough. I don't want to do it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't blame you. I've got a buddy who I've actually interviewed him for this podcast. He mm-hmm. uh he drives, he's a delivery driver and, you know, works in um, like a warehouse environment part of the time, like, you know, loading and picking and all that sort of thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's, he does, he has a similar schedule. It's not seven, seven days a week, fortunately, but it's, it's pretty, it's five twelves or something, something like that yeah. often. So even that is a lot. Yeah. Like, uh, where I'm at now, we'll rotate a little bit, but it's pretty much set. Like right now, uh, this week, I'm working four in the morning until my off time is 12.30. But if there's something going on, I can stay later, get some overtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'm not working that. We have three different shifts. We've got a 6 to 2.30, which that's usually the one where we've got the most over overtime to work. 
And then the other shift is 8.30 to 5. And that's the one I, I tend to work the most. So it's normal kind of business hours at least. Yeah. And uh, I'm actually off tomorrow. So don't have to. I'm off because I had to take off for a court date for uh, foster care. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, which it actually wound up getting canceled, but I'm still going to take the day off. And uh, I can't go into too many details. We're just trying to adopt and yeah, it's been brought to court. And uh, but. But yeah, the four o'clock shift, I love getting off at 1230, but I hate waking up at, <laughs> at three. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I would too. When I first got out of college and started working my first like real job, um, my shift was mm, 10 o'clock. Yeah, 10 a.m. to 630. And had that for about a year or so. Yeah. And then, then I, you know, I liked that. That worked for me. We didn't have kids. We, you know, it was, my wife's work was a little earlier than mine, but uh, mm-hmm. it matched up okay. You know, it was yeah. nice to sleep in and relax and, you know, and then, then I did like seven years of like 6 a.m. to four or whatever it was. Yeah. So, got used to the other side commuting, but now I'm, now I'm full time from home. So. Oh, um, yeah, I've got fun. the got the real cushy job now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you mentioned fostering. How long y'all been fostering kids? Uh, we're actually only coming up on a year. Uh, okay. We've been licensed. We got our first placement in May of last year. And uh, we got our second placement only about a week after that. And then we were still on those same two kids. And, uh, uh, we're actually licensed for four kids. Uh, but with my wife's vehicle, we'd only be able to go to three without having to take two cars. Um, but, it's been I've heard very bad horror stories with it. And I, I know they're out there, but as far as what we've experienced in this past year has been a cakewalk. It's been <laughs> very easy. We've had two very good placements. Uh one our second placement was only like two months old when we got her. Oh wow. And so she we're all she knows really. And the other girl uh turned 4 in December. And uh but like with her, you know, I was expecting a scared kid like right off the bat and having this break-in period but it was like immediately she like she just ran up to us like she's known us, showed us her toys, mm. and uh she actually calls me cowboy. Uh that's cute. 
and uh she'll call me daddy every now and then but uh i wear cowboy hats a lot and when i first came home she they dropped her off at her house at like 1 30 i think in the morning somewhere in there and it just so happened to be where i had to be at work at four so i didn't get no sleep that night but uh when i came home i had my cowboy hat on and then she ran to the doors like look there's a cowboy and i've been cowboy ever since that's precious that's awesome so um you said you you can't really share a lot of details obviously because i know I've, my sister-in-law and their family they foster as well so i know that there's some you know legal things you have to consider mm-hmm. <clears throat> are you guys trying to foster to adopt is that in the cards for you or are you yes we um, are we are licensed to adopt and with the four-year-old uh where she is in the adoption phase, but someone has stepped up and now we're just trying to work that out. Uh, sure. Not even uh, reuni- reunification is yeah. always the goal, right? Or with foster yeah. care most of the time. But, uh, with, who has stepped up while I don't know anything about this person, what's been presented in court. We, our caseworker, the lawyers, they're like 99% positive from the experience that they have that it'll come out in our favor. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but if it's in the Lord's will, you know, it could go the other way. And sure. And honestly, after it's been, it's been almost a year now, I guess we're still in January, but, uh, but in May she'll be with us, have been with us a year. And if she left, I've never lost a child due to death, but if either one of them, uh, went back to their family. I would imagine it would feel like losing a child to death, and uh, hmm. don't want to don't want to experience it. To be honest, that's one of the one of the reasons why I, I've uh, why I kind of don't want to foster because <laughs> yeah. I've you know we've got we know a lot of people who have adopted mm-hmm. or fostered and. And I'm like, I don't know if I could form an attachment to a child, even even if the intent was never there to adopt, right? Mm-hmm. Even if I was just there to, you know, be a blessing and and serve, yeah. you know, a child as you know a temporary home. I don't know if I could do it, like yeah. emotionally. And, I'm a, I'm a and, pretty emotional guy, so I'd probably be yeah, a wreck. And no matter what happens, whether they both go back to the family. I'm always going to consider them both my daughters. Hmm. And uh, I never refer to them as not. So I I just, I'll always be wondering and praying about them. But uh, 
Lord willing, we can't adopt them, but you know, we'll find out. That's cool. Well, I hope you guys can. So you mentioned um, that you were a youth pastor. Is that in conjunction to your other vocation as well? Uh, it was, yeah, I was uh, just a part-time, barely paid. Mm. Like, I'd, I don't even remember what they paid me. It wasn't much at all. Uh, Doing the Lord's work, brother. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like... And when I say it wasn't much at all, I think it was only like, I don't remember it. I would have been, if it was the only income I had, I would have been like extreme, extreme poverty. I wouldn't be able to afford like a cell phone bill. Yeah. That like, if that was my only bill, I wouldn't have been able to afford it. it. It wasn't much at all. And, but that's not why I signed up for it. But yeah. So how I got into it, was that was actually with the uh the UMC. So I grew up uh I guess I need to work up to that. Uh, yeah. So I I grew up in the like a reformedish IFB type church. And mm-hmm. when I turned 17 or not when I turned 17 but when I was uh my grandpa retired and the church essentially just shut down because it was at this point was a really small church people had just moved on and so when he retired there's nobody to step up so it just shut down and so i started going to church with some of my friends and looking back i should have joined the same church that my parents did but i was 17 and i wanted to hang out with my friends so started going to a a Southern Baptist church that they were going to. And I was in that church from the time I was 17 to uh, when I met my wife when I was 21. And uh, it was in the Southern Baptist church. I guess I need to go back to the, under my grandpa. I was baptized when I was 10. But I only wanted to be baptized so I could partake in communion. And I knew all the right answers. And he didn't do altar calls like your typical IFB church or other mainline evangelical churches. There there was none of that. But I went up to him after church one day. We would eat lunch with him every Sunday after church and talk to him. And I was like, Grandpa, I want to be want to be baptized and so he asked me a whole bunch of questions and while i'm not smart i was smart enough to know the answers to get what i wanted out of it and so i was baptized like a month later and uh but growing up i always knew that i had no faith and it was for all the wrong reasons with the uh like the Baptist mentality of of what baptism is. And so when I started going to that Southern Baptist church, that and I know the Lord was working on me even as a kid under my grandpa, but it wasn't until this church that I really took notice of it. 
And so being a Baptist church, I had to get baptized again. And uh, so it was the product of a double baptism. I was baptized at 19 again. And, um, and then so continued on in that church. I did a lot of stuff. I played the guitar for him. I did the AV stuff. While it wasn't a mega church, it it was big compared to what I grew up to, and uh, so it had a lot of the a lot of fancier stuff, and I uh, learned a lot of about AV and stuff in there. But when I was twenty one, met my wife, we got married real quick, and started going to the church with her. And it was a uh, United Methodist, and I was actually there for like four years before they were like, "Hey, we just noticed you're not a member." I was like, "Huh, okay," and so I just How about that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I I like joined the next Sunday, and uh, I never even realized it that I had never technically joined, but uh. But the youth pastor they had wound up leaving and they asked me if I wanted to do it. And this is, this would have been around the time frame that I was actually working all that amount of time and wasn't able to go to church for like six months. So this would have been like shortly after, after all that, that they, they asked me if I would fill in to be the, the youth pastor. And I straight up laughed at him. And I was like, no, that ain't for me. And that was the end of that. And then we had a a really big flood. So that would have been, that would have been about 2015. They asked me that. And then in 2017, we had a really big flood that flooded the church. Uh, Like it flooded the entire community. Uh, Hurricane Harvey. Do you remember hearing about it in 2017? Yeah, yeah. Yep. So that that like destroyed our area bad, and uh, the the UMC hierarchy people. I don't know what they're called. They came down, had a meeting, and they decided to shut the church down, and so. We were without a church. We church shop between another Methodist church, a non-denominational church called Cowboy Church. And I think there was another one, but it might have just been those two. We were bouncing back and forth for a little bit until the uh, the Methodist church offered my wife a position for the children's ministry. And so we, we took it and joined shortly after since, uh, since she was working for him. And then it wasn't until a few years after that, that I was asked to chaperone a youth trip. And this was like my first time outside of Texas, besides going to Louisiana, because Louisiana is literally like four minutes from my driveway. But uh, right. So I went to Kentucky with them on a 
youth trip and I was about 29. Yeah, I was 29. And uh, it was a two-week trip. I was only able to stay for the first week. And uh, so I flew home after that. And before I left, they met with me and was like, hey, uh, once school starts up, we're not going to have a youth pastor. Would you be willing to fill in? And at this point, instead of laughing at them, I was like, I had like grown attached to these kids and I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And about three quarters of them actually graduated. And then whenever school started back up, the other ones pretty much stopped going. So I I had to try to build up a, a new youth group, essentially. And I had no clue what I was doing. But uh, I still don't know what I'm doing. Like even people ask me questions and, but the, when I say the Lord blessed it, I don't mean like 50 kids started coming. There was only a handful of kids that came regularly, but for me, that was success and it was all the Lord's doing. And uh I like I said I didn't know what I was doing and so I was like hey pastor you know like what should I do and he's like you can walk them through the the Methodist catechism so I was like okay that was my first time even hearing of a catechism and uh so uh I walked them through the catechism but I could, it just was, I think the kids could tell that I wasn't really putting myself, I, I don't know how to word it, but I think they could tell that I wasn't really into it. And uh, they, like, I could tell their their disinterest from it. So I tried something else, some other advice. And it was like the same thing. It was basically like doing somebody else's work and they could tell it wasn't me and it wasn't like authentic. And then I was like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm kind of just done asking because nothing seems to be working. I was like, hey, we're just all going to sit down at a table. We're going to start in Matthew chapter one, verse one. We're going to work our way through Matthew, however long it takes us ask whatever questions you need. And that actually seemed to work. It held their interest. It got them engaged and Hmm. uh, helped me grow a lot because I was having to study. And, uh, and then some of the questions they were asking me were really good questions. And uh, so I was like, I'll have to get back with you on next uh, next week for that one because I don't know it off the top of my head type of questions yeah. and uh but it, it definitely was a blessing and when I stepped down uh I did it for about two years when I stepped down like I I cried in front of them when I told them 
I was stepping down. It was because I'd grown so attached to them and doing it. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we or I stepped down, my wife also stepped down from her position at the same time when we left the church because uh, the pastor that was there that, and he's the one who got me, showed me the importance of, of the, uh, the creeds. Uh, while I was in the reformedish church, we didn't really do the, um, the apostles creed, the Nicene creed or the Athanasian creed. We had the London Baptist confession of faith, but that was about it as far as confessions went. And, um, but so he, he showed me the importance of the creeds and while I'm not Wesleyan in the slightest bit, I didn't agree with him on a lot of stuff. He did help me a lot in some areas. And, but yeah. so we, we stepped down because he left because the Methodists like to just rotate their, their pastors around yeah. and around and around. And so they brought in this lady pastor and as soon as I found out it was going to be a female pastor, I told my wife, I was like, look, I'm done. I'm not going to sit under that. And she talked me into staying. Uh, but it, it definitely was a, I'm not into undermining authority. Like I w- even though I was like reformed Calvinistic, I didn't push Calvinism on these kids because I knew the church wasn't Calvinistic. And so I'm not, I'm not into undermining the, the leadership of the authority, but the, the things she was bringing in, it was very liberal type theology and going as far as calling Gandhi and Buddha spiritual brothers in Christ. And so I, I like, I straight up told the kids, I was like, don't listen to her. I was like, I hate telling you all this, but, but don't. Um, I was like, if y'all don't want to listen to me, that's fine, but don't listen to her. Uh, and, uh, so like I was trying to keep a, an orthodox, like faith for the kids, even though that wasn't really what was being presented from the quote unquote pastor. And, uh, yeah. it eventually got to the point where I mentally checked out and, uh, like on Sunday mornings for, I, I did the, the AV stuff and I was mentally checked out. I was just there pushing those buttons. I was taking notes of like, wow, did she really just say that? And, <laughs> and, uh, like <laughs> I was writing a lot of notes, but like I was, I was mentally checked out and eventually she actually treated me with a lot of respect. She was a very nice lady. She was just so off theologically. And, yeah. uh, but she was like really nice towards me. 
but she treated my wife like garbage and my wife eventually had enough of it and we left and that is where i learned what the ifb really was oh no uh, i <laughs> decided i was starting to question whether or not i was even baptist anymore but i really wanted to be baptist still so i started mm. looking for baptist churches and i find an independent baptist church i was like awesome this is going to be like what i grew up with and it was the further now the people there were extremely nice uh i have nothing ill to say towards their any of them's personality uh yeah they actually did a lot for us my wife had to have a major surgery and we weren't even members yet and they like stepped up and helped me out helped us out tremendously and we weren't even members but theologically they were just all over the place inconsistent and borderline cultish when it came to the king james which the 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 baptist church i grew up in was king james only but not cultish and so yeah. i still have like a great admiration and love for the king james but here the the uh the arguments for it reminded me a lot of the defense of the uh latin mass and it they would bring in like numerology too of yeah it, just like pulling numbers out of a hat and it's it's like okay if you're doing that like pulling a random number why can't i pull a random number for the esv or whatever and and make yeah. it work out in your math but uh there was a lot of even though they were baptist there was a lot of wesleyan influence yeah there was a lot of charismatic influence and as far as how they treated the king james very papish uh papist influence and yeah uh it my my experience at none of these churches i never left with like a sour taste of these people treated us awful um but it's just it all had to it all stemmed from theology and just not being in agreement i couldn't it got to the point where i couldn't even though like yeah i would have had disagreements i can be in a church with disagreements as long as they're not major and i can still sign on to like the their core doctrines and it just it wasn't there i couldn't in good conscience do it anymore and uh what actually drew the line for me was the last i think it was the last sunday we were there he actually behind the pulpit said jesus never died and i was like what and i went back and listened to the recording to make sure i heard him right 
And sure enough, Jesus never died. He's forever alive. And I was like, did you really just say that? Like, that's core of what we believe, of what we hang on, that he did die for our sins and then three days rose again. Like, how can you say he yeah. did? And I, I will give him the benefit of the doubt. I think it was an absolute awful slip of the tongue, but there was some amens that came along with it. And I act no, it wasn't a slip of the tongue. He clearly meant to say it, but I don't think he meant it in the way he's, it came off. And, uh, but there was, there was too many other stuff that I had questioned him on that just was terrible responses. And, like he he said something about the God being omnipotent and omniscient was a lie from Satan, and so I was like, I asked him about it. He's like, Oh no, no, that's not what I meant. And I was like, Well, that's what you said. And he's like, I understand having a slip of the tongue every now and then, but this is happening way too often. And it's like you need to say what you mean, and uh. And I think it was the associate pastor wound up saying he'd rather the pastor have that gusto, that zeal, but say something wrong than be 100% orthodox and boring. And I was like, mm, no, I'd rather have boring and be correct in my theology than have somebody up there who's entertaining to watch. I've heard because I grew up IFB as well. Um, and I've heard uh, one statement that I think describes a lot of them pretty well is like, they may not, they may not be correct, but they were never in doubt. Yeah. That's, that sums up a, like not how, not my, because my dad was a pastor as well in the, in the IFB still is. Um, that wasn't how I grew up in my church, but in other churches I was, that I visited and were, was a part of for, you know, different amounts of time, there was certainly a a level of, you know, substance or, or spectacle over substance, you know, hellfire and damnation preaching yeah, and very, very loose, like theology and theology is like all about being precise. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that is I think that's too common. I mean, there's there's a bit of an anti-intellectual bent in, in some of those churches as well. Yeah, there definitely was. Um, yeah. So so okay. So you went from Reformed Independent Baptist to Southern Baptist to United Methodist to Wacko. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> kind but weird. Independent Baptist. Where do you end? Where do you go after after that? So I was actually looking for a Reformed Presbyterian church, and the only one close to us is about a forty-five minute drive for us. Mm-hmm. Which I'm very, I'm okay with making that drive, but my wife didn't want to make the drive. We visited it once, and I, I loved it. People there were really nice. I had actually had reached out to uh, the pastor like a month or so, uh, probably three months before we visited. And uh, 
We talked on the phone for like an hour and a half. He answered me a bunch of questions. That's actually something I did with that Baptist church. He answered all my questions and answered them correctly, but just behind the pulpit, none of that was there. But uh, uh, so I asked him like the same questions, like what's the gospel? Uh, what are their views on like ev- evangelism? And I can't remember what all I asked, but we talked on the phone for like an hour and a half. And about three months later, we we visited, and I loved it. They they sang psalms, not exclusively, but uh, mm-hmm. about it was about half and half. And what I thought was really cool, the last verse of every hymn and psalm they sang was a cappella. And I've never been a part of a church that done that, but my wife wasn't a big fan of it. She's wasn't reformed and didn't want to make that drive. I tried pushing her on it, but I eventually gave up because I pushed her into that Baptist church we were in. And I took, I take full responsibility for us joining. And, um, we, uh, I knew I didn't want to go back United Methodist. I never considered myself a Wesleyan in any sense. Yeah. And, so even with the uh the split uh the church we were going to uh they went the 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 new denominations route but even with that I had been keeping up with everything and pretty much nothing was going to change and so I was like I know you don't want to go to a reformed church I was what little bit uh, about Lutheran, I knew is that they were monergistic in their soteriology. And I was like, I at least want that. I don't want a synergistic uh, soteriology. So I was like, look, I think this is going to be a little bit of what you'll be used to in the Methodist church. And then at least with the the monergism and uh the the way they hold scripture was like I think it'll be close enough to to reformed for us to have a good compromise mm-hmm. and it's I think there's only two LCMS churches around me one again is about 45 minutes away the other one is a small one and it's about 10 minutes away from where we live. So I was like, that was closer to where we were going to that Baptist church anyway. So I was like, we can at least try it out. So I reached out to him too. And uh, they're at tech, we're technically without a pastor. Uh, the guy from Beaumont who pastors over there comes and does the service for us. So yeah. when I when I reached out, I talked to the elder and not the pastor. And he answered all my questions. I was like, like I I know next to nothing about Lutheranism, so you're gonna have to explain some stuff to me. Yeah. We talked about communion and we talked about baptism. 
And at the time I was like, no, I'm not really on board for that, but you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go visit. And, uh, I think me and him talked on the phone for about an hour, hour and a half, something like that. And whenever he, we were talking about communion, he was like, look, since you said you're not Lutheran, you won't be able to, we do communion weekly and you won't be able to uh, partake in it. And I was like, that's fine. Uh, Don't bother me any. And I don't know if it was hard for him to tell me that because we're a small church. Like my family is a family of six. He knew that from, uh, from talking. And when we showed up, it probably pushed us to about 30 people max. Mm -hmm. And on average, maybe like 22, 23. And, uh, so whenever we showed up and I saw how small it was, I couldn't help but think like this was probably at least in some way hard for him to tell me I can't partake in, in communion with the a potential risk of me being like, oh, no, I'm going to be offended and I'm not going to show up now because I can't partake in communion with y'all. And so like that, I don't know if that was the case. But at least in my mind, that's how I saw it for him. And it made me have a huge amount of respect for him to be like, mm-hmm. like, no, we're we're sticking to our doctrines. Uh if if you can't say amen to it, then then so be it. Uh we'll say uh peace be with y'all and y'all can find another church. And so that, to me, I, I got a lot of respect for him out of that. And uh, we've been going there since, uh, when did we start? Beginning of September. The first Sunday of September was our our first okay. service. So September of 2022. And uh so you're brand new. I'm brand new. We're we're still not even confirmed in yet. We're working on mm-hmm. it. But uh I I have a whole bunch of questions for them. They're very patient with me. Um they're very kind about everything. And our first service, my wife, or no, no, it was Two of two of the girls were sick, and so it was just me. My wife stayed home with them, and then my son and one of the other girls went with me to try it out. And after service was done, that was our first time being in a a sung liturgy, and it was. I guess still technically considered low church, but from what we were used to was very high church. And mm-hmm. uh, when we got in the car, my son was like, they have a singing problem. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, I thought they actually sounded pretty good. And he's like, no, they sang everything. 
I was like, oh, yeah, that was different. But like, what'd you actually think about it? He's like, that was just weird. And I'll admit it took me a while to get used to it, but now I really like it. And, uh, yeah. Um, that's awesome. The kids all seem to really like it. My, my son, he's actually, uh, autistic. So change is really hard for him. And so that was another thing I was having to take into consideration when, when we left these churches was him and how he would adapt. And uh, he's actually adapted pretty well here. Uh, I think one thing that's helped is that it's small and uh, he's been helping extinguish the candles at the end of service. And uh, it's been a huge blessing and for lack of a better term, a uh, breath of fresh air being in this church. That's awesome. That's really cool to hear. Like, I mean, I'm fairly new to Lutheranism myself within the last like three years, Mm -hmm. but, but I mean, y'all are brand new. new. And I've been trying to devour as much content as possible over video. Uh, I've read through the catechism quite a few times. I'm going through the, uh, the explanation, Mm-hmm. Uh, smaller catechism. I'm going through the uh, uh, the Book of Concord. I'm going through it pretty slowly, um, but I'm just trying to digest as much as possible. And like the first, my first real introduction to Lutheranism was probably like I don't remember how long ago. I'm pretty sure I was still in the Methodist church. And I don't know if you've heard of the guy, Matt Whitman, with the 10-minute Bible hour. Oh, yeah. Whenever he visited yep. the, the Lutheran church with Will Whedon, that was my first uh, my first real like introduction to it. And I was like, yeah, this is really weird, but I like this guy. And... I like just his, how excited he was about everything. And he reminded me of, uh, I can't think of his name, but one of the bad guys from home alone, Daniel Stern. Yeah. Horror. Mm. The, the tall skinny one. Uh, he reminded me of him and that just made me like him more. And, uh, (laughs) Uh, and I've actually gone back after we started going to the church and rewatched that video and it, uh, I still like his, his enthusiasm about everything. And I've been listening to his, uh, daily podcast and yep. I listen the to the word like, of the Lord endures forever. Yeah. I'll listen to Brian Wolf Mueller, uh, Jordan Cooper. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's that other guy's name? Jonathan Fisk. Yes. Yes. Uh, Fisk. Uh, I'm actually like just recently heard of him 
and I only recently so recently started listening to him and uh but I like him as well and uh I think there's another one another channel I've been listening to but I can't remember but those are the main ones that I've been devouring as far as like audio and video yeah Hmm. Uh, it's fascinating yeah and you know i have me leaving each of the the different denominations i never was angry or upset at any of them it was just i disagreed theologically and yeah uh i had no ill towards any of them and uh but Landing in a Lutheran church was a surprise, but just God's providence. Yeah, it's interesting because like the the landscape of most of the majority of American Christianity is. I mean, I'd say you have the. The kind of Wesleyan Southern Baptist non-denominational as a big part of it. Mm-hmm. And then you also have just a heavy reformed influence because that's who, you know, originally settled the settled uh, the U.S. So it's interesting. I don't hear. I've not really heard many stories of oh, let's just try that Lutheran church out because you know they weren't here yeah. uh, the same amount of time that uh, you know the reformed of different stripes are. You yeah. know, so oh. or the Methodists, right? Yeah. And one thing that I think is pretty cool is the church that I was born into, grew up in, was Grace Baptist Church. And the church I am currently in is Grace Lutheran Church. And Mm -hmm. so I just think it's pretty neat that they're both Grace. So you're consuming a lot of content online. You're reading a lot. And then you also have a YouTube channel, correct? Uh, it's more of a podcast than I, I use some app. I don't even remember what it's called that makes like a little AI thing and then a little AI video and uploads it. Uh, it's just like a little sound wave and then the audio, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's called learning Lutheran and cause I'm learning about the Lutheran tradition. And it, yeah, I started it for myself, really, just to get me talking about it. That it helps me learn by mm-hmm. talking it out and actually thinking about it. I didn't want to go into it just like, yes, I'm going to say amen to these doctrines and then have no idea what I'm even saying amen to. And right. so it it's helped me. Uh I haven't been very consistent with uploading and recording. Uh, just with the foster care and stuff, I don't have a as much time as I want to. Uh, sometimes I think I've, I think I uploaded my first episode of, in November of last year, and. Uh, it's just been like a hit or miss if I can get something recorded and put out. Yeah. For, for ours, we, 
you know, we're doing this in our spare time too. Me and my co-host John um, both have other gigs and stuff that yeah. we do. And for you know, people listening or watching, we're recording this. It's now 10 p.m. at night, so we're <laughs> we're squeezing this in where we can. You know, yeah. when you have a side gig that you're not getting paid for. Um, but that's really what we wanted to do as well. We we enjoyed this sort of thing and talking with people and you know how to how to finding out how people got from point A to point B. Yeah. Right. And I was always very interested in that people's testimonies for, you know, if you want to use the Christianese term. Yeah. Um so and and that's what we wanted to do is like, all right, we're gonna make content that we enjoy. And if people wanna watch, then it's great. But that's not the real reason that we're doing it. You know, we're we wanted to do yeah. something creative and interesting and, you know, and hopefully have an audience for it. But yeah it's not like we're planning on being joe rogan or you yeah. know any uh, of those guys yeah so and i don't do any type of promotion of mine at all but yeah. somehow i've gotten a download on every continent and granted oh, wow. numbers aren't like joe rogan's but i'm <laughs> no, no advertisement i'm very pleased with what i'm seeing and but that's not why I'm doing it. So even if I was getting nothing, I'd still be doing it. And uh, yeah. the the last episode I did, I think it released last week. I uh, interviewed one of my friends that was still at the uh, the UMC church we had left, and which is now mm-hmm. GMC. But I just had him walk through like okay. the the, uh, the split. Because by the time it, they actually started splitting, we had already left because I, it was looking like nobody even knew what was going on. And, uh, but had him walk through it. And then at the end of it, which we also rambled and ranted down some rabbit trails, but at the end of it, I tried to go up about some things and like a from a lutheran perspective to try to get my my brain working in that type of thought and uh it was a it was a fun episode to record with him that's cool i'll have to check that out and we will we'll leave a link to your channel um in the description of this one when it, when it airs. So I think that'll be cool. So let's see. I've, I mean, I've thoroughly enjoyed this for the record. Um, I do have a lightning round for you. All right. What are you reading right now? I am currently reading, uh, I'm in the apology of, uh, of Augsburg. Mm -hmm. Uh, within the book of Concord right now, I am reading Martin Luther's letters of spiritual counsel. Uh, and then I'm studying through Galatians right now while using Martin Luther's commentary on Galatians. Okay. I've heard that's like, I haven't read it myself, but I've heard that's amazing. Like one of his best works. Yeah, I just started it and it's really good. There's 
I need to pick that a up. A lot of good stuff. I have the the copy from 1517, and that's probably the coolest cover of any book I own. <laughs> He's like in a boxing ring. Oh, okay. I've got the re- reader's edition of the Book of Concord right over there. Yeah. On my shelf. So. Um, so let's see. You've been IFB, United Methodist, General Methodist, or GMC, whatever that's known as now. Well, we, um, we left before that was even about. Okay. And then you went back to IFB, mm-hmm. visited a Presbyterian church. So you've been around kind of the the spectrum, right, of traditional. Yes. Some traditional, some more traditional. So how many Bible versions have you used then, would you say? I've used a bunch. Which ones? Uh, all the main ones, uh, NIV started using it whenever I went to the Southern Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the New King James as well. I like having whatever the pastor's using. Uh, so he had, the pastor had the New King James. So Sunday mornings I would have the New King James youth group. I would have the NIV because that's what the youth pastor had. Uh, Uh, when we went to the first Methodist church, I don't even remember what they used. I don't even really remember them. I think they just printed it all out and they weren't actually mm. using a Bible. And I never saw the pastor actually have one. Uh, at the, the second red flag. Yes. Big major <laughs> red flag. Um, that was another reason I like, I honestly dislike that church a lot on a lot of levels, but I was also like still early on in Baptist mentality of since I was Baptist, I was greater. And, uh, but, uh, so at the next Methodist church, he had, he used the NLT when we first started going Switch to the CSB, and uh, during this time, I for personal use, I would use the ESV. I used the ESV as my personal like study reading for about 10 years, and about three years ago, I switched. No, it's probably two years ago, I switched to the uh. New American Standard. Um, and being in the uh, LCMS, they use the the ESV, so I bring my ESV for that. But like for for my study, I still use the, the New American Standard 95. And ah, mm-hmm. uh, what else have I, do I have? I'd have to look on my shelf. I've got a bunch that of translations that I've maybe glanced at, but never really used. I can't remember yeah. what they all are. Uh, I've got, I've got a bunch of Bibles. Uh, I got me too. Probably, it's kind of a problem. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say it's probably a problem where I'm at. Uh, 
and then <clears throat> and then I've got accordance with even more translations on it. But but yeah, I'm more of a New American stand. Like the three I I use most now is King James, ESV, and New American Standard. Hmm. Sir, good. Know. I like those. I never the closest thing to a, a paraphrase ever used was the NLT, which is like right there on it. Yeah. Uh, I never did get into the message or uh, what's that new one called that the charismatics like uh, the passion, the passion, right? Yeah. Uh, I've, I've never touched those. Uh, I think the message came with my accordance, but I never look at it. Uh, but yeah, those are the ESV King James and the NASB is what I use the most. Gotcha. Do you have a favorite church father yet? Um, probably Augustine just cause I've read more of him, but I'm still early on. So mm-hmm. it'll probably change. Favorite reformer can be from the general area or the general time frame of the Reformation too. It doesn't um, have to be exactly then. My reformed side might come out on this, but I still like Calvin. I don't agree with him anymore, but I still like him. Uh, You're right back. I'm just going to call you pastor real quick. <laughs> uh, his name is Peter Williamson. All right. Hey. Uh, so someone in the LCMS said they liked Calvin. That's not allowed. <laughs> uh, I mean, I know that would be like, <gasps> but uh, if not him, I'd have to say Martin Luther just because I haven't branched out too much yet since I'm still early. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, out of the reformers, I've read more of Calvin than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite Puritan? No, I never really did get into the Puritans too much, honestly. Uh, I do have the the Valley of Visions little prayer book mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, but it doesn't tell you who's who in it, and I never read too many of the Puritans, so I don't know why. I just never do. Yeah, some people would say you're not missing much, but others yeah. love them. So, yeah, like um, everything I got, go like what little bit I could get from them, kind of came off as legalistic. I might be wrong in that, but that's just what it came off as to me. Yeah, I can see some of that argument being made. Very, very introspective mm-hmm. in, in certain ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. How about a favorite, like, modern, like, theologian or author? I really like Brian Wolfmuller for his, uh, how easy he can speak on a lay level, but still, like, <laughs> know what he's talking about it it's still mm-hmm. deep but he can speak in a layman's tongue 
And uh, I really like that about him because I'm not a smart guy and it helps me a lot to, <laughs> to understand. Is that a Forrest Gump line? Yes. <laughs> not a smart man, Jenny. All right, let's see here. Um, if you could have dinner with anyone, living or dead, other than Jesus, you can't pick Jesus. That's okay. the, the science school answer. If you could have dinner with anyone, living or dead, who would it be? Uh, I would have to pick Paul, uh, just because I love his epistles. And I'd, I would have some questions, but... I know I would just forget if I ever was at a table with them. I just let them talk and I'd listen. I interviewed another Lutheran a few days ago and he answered Paul as well. St. Paul. Okay, cool. Yeah. I was like, that's, that's a good one. It's, I was thinking, you know, when I set up the question, I'm like, all right, we're going to, you know, get like a, a range of answers. It's like now people go into the Bible, <laughs> which is okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> You're allowed. You're allowed to like them. Um, let's see here. Where can people find you if they want to like follow you on social media or something? Should they uh, subscribe to your YouTube? Yeah, I'm on, on YouTube. Uh, I don't think I have any subscribers on it. Uh, my podcast is on pretty much every platform uh i'm on twitter the most you can find me either at i don't know what my actual handle is but just type in my name and plez evans there's not too many you'll find on there with that name uh and then Mm -hmm. you can also find me at learning lutheran on twitter and i'm also on facebook for both of those but not on not as much on facebook as i am on twitter and if you do look for me on facebook you might find my dad so my picture's a a drawing that my daughter did and i don't know what my dad's picture is it's awesome well man i appreciate you taking the time to share a bit of your story and you know, it's, uh, it's really cool. It's fascinating and really cool to hear from someone who's like so new to Lutheranism and kind of almost fell into it as well. Yeah, I, It definitely was Normally, falling into it. Yeah. Cause I had no intention of being Lutheran. It was just, we started going and it was like, Oh, this is actually making a lot of sense and everything I knew about Lutheranism. I didn't actually know it was all wrong. And, mm. and yeah, but yeah, it's definitely been fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. And thanks everyone for watching. If you made it this far, um, if you like this kind of content, then please go ahead and subscribe to city square podcast on YouTube. We are on Spotify. We are on Google Podcasts. We are on everywhere else. Rumble, Odyssey, all the alternative video platforms as well. Apple Podcasts. Um, We appreciate the subscribe and the like. And until next time, thanks for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. 
May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. 